Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I just feel like praising the Lord again. I worship you, Lord. First session, we first considered the obvious ministry of an apostle reaching a new area with the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost to perform miracles. We spent a little while with that, but my purpose this week and the burden that I have felt from the Lord is to talk about those things which are not so obvious to the apostolic manner, things that we might uh, uh, things that we might not even think about of, of it being apostolic. But those things are as important as well, because if we don't know them, then the enemy has a opportunity to trick us and cause us to fall and to fail when things are happening to us and experiences that we go through. Amen. We talked about the various uh, ministries of an apostle and the apostolic ministry, and then we began in those things that uh, was really a burden on my heart, talking about serving the Lord in humility, humility of mind. We would not obviously think that that would be the characteristic of an apostle, but the apostle Paul was humble. And we had a lot to say about that, about true, true humility. True humility is not that outward action, but it's an inward condition that we're trusting, that we are trusting in the Lord. Praise God. And then we talked yesterday about tears, three different kinds of tears. The apostle said that he had served them with many tears and temptations, tears of intercession, tears of compassion, and then tears when we are hurt. Yes, even the Apostle Paul, as great as he was, as eloquent as he was, had his own converts to rise up against him and to leave him and to take away disciples after themselves. And if he had it to happen to him, why? We're going to have to have it happen to us also. Isn't that true? Dealt considerably with the problems that arise among ministers where we can wound and hurt each other. The importance, the real genuine importance of forgiving someone when they ask us. And then I dealt a little bit with the, the disappointments that we sometimes have uh, in not uh, not uh, getting the respect or, or not getting the position that we might desire and how to cope with that. And then the last thing we brought to you was very vital, very important, of what to do when someone has wounded you severely and they have not asked to be forgiven. In such a case, we have to save ourselves. And there is something that we have to do and rid ourselves of any bitterness that might be in our hearts or in our lives in saving ourselves. I told you a story concerning my wife that has never been told until very recently. The missionary board has never heard that story. Brother Tenney never heard it until yesterday. 
and uh, if he heard it yesterday, <clears throat> and uh, how that she coped with that. God gave her an answer of dealing with a very severe, very severe situation. But God gave her victory. Praise the Lord. And he, God can give us victory in the same, same fashion and the same way. Aren't you glad for it? That is one thing I do need to tell the other, the rest of the story. Every day I've had something that I needed to tell the rest of the story. I've had a lot of interest in it. Someone said, Brother Cole, how did you tolerate a man treating your wife in such a fashion? How did you cope with that uh, for so long? It lasted four years. And, uh, well, the only way you can cope with a situation like that is when you consider the work of God more important than yourself. You have to esteem the work of God above your own comfort, above your own place, your own position, your own happiness. You have to do that. Amen. One brother told me he wouldn't have done it. I said, well, that's the reason God sent me instead of you. <laughs> and uh, the, the point was this, that he was so influential. He was an extremely influential man. And uh, there would have been no United Pentecostal Church in Thailand if we would have retaliated against him at that time. However, when I came home on furlough, I knew that he would endeavor to break the work. I knew that he would do that. I knew that he would try. And he did try. He, he really tried. But not one single preacher would follow him. Not one. And when I got back there, I knew I was in charge. <laughs> and I told him something. <laughs> I said, you have tormented my wife, and I don't want you to ever do it again. Don't you even act like that it, the thought crosses your mind. <laughs> I said, if it does, you're going to have to deal with me. We've always used you in our conferences and so forth because he was indeed eloquent. And uh, maybe I'm not as tight on organization as as you are. I, I, uh, I've always tried to make place for everyone that was trying to do the will of God. And, and he did have a problem, but most people have a problem. This one was just directed towards my wife. And uh, and I told him I said we would have to break fellowship if you if you uh, if you ever do that again. He did it one more time, and I went to his house, and he was working in the garden when I got there. He loved roses, and 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 he had been up to his house, and he came out, and he had mud on him, and he looked so pitiful, and he was a very older man. And you have to be extremely cautious of how you deal with Orientals that have age. You have to be very careful, and uh, even if they're wrong. And when he came out, he knew why I was there. And tears began to course down his cheeks. 
And he said, Brother Cole, give me one more chance, just one more chance. And I'll never forget, I stood there and stared at him without saying a word for about five minutes. And I said, one more chance. And he never, ever did that again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It did. We did find out that he was living immoral. And you know, pride and immorality run hand in hand together. They really do. And, uh, and of course, we had to break fellowship with him. I never stopped loving him. I never stopped loving him. We had another brother that uh, fell into sin. He was also, he was also at one time the same position that Brother Boone Market had, the General Secretary of the Presbyterian Movement. That was the largest Protestant movement in the nation. They had been there 175 years, and uh, he also came to us and was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And he had what we called perfect pitch. He could sound a note just like you'd sound a note on a piano. He was a tremendous musician and uh, had uh, eight years of college. And uh, he also fell into immorality. But every year, every year, he is not one of our preachers. He's independent. He is preaching. But he is independent. We have to hold standards, brethren. Can you say amen? He is independent. But every year I go by and visit him, and we embrace each other. We cry a little bit, and I go on my way. We must learn how to love. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today, and we praise you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Blessed be thy holy name. I worship you. I honor you, Lord. I adore you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Moving on to another thought that we'd like to bring to you today in the few minutes that we, we have. Verse 19, chapter 20. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Please notice verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house. Dropping down to verse 26, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure, that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Praise the Lord. The world today is so churchy, and the church is getting so whirly sometimes, it's a little bit hard for me to tell the difference. 
and this is something that deeply concerns me. It is apostolic to grow. It is apostolic to see new converts coming into the church and being filled with the Holy Ghost. It is apostolic to enlarge and to reach new areas. But it is also apostolic to preach the truth and keep right on preaching the truth. I've had so much to say about humility and love, and we must never forget that. We must never forget that. We've got to preach in love. Even when we preach hell, we've got to do it with tears. But the truth must be preached. Amen. I am persuaded that, uh, that the apostles were faithful even unto the end concerning baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This apostolic ministry, it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, that they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, repentance is essential to the new birth. Baptism in Jesus' name is essential to the new birth. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not just the icing on the cake. I, I don't think I'm going to run into a, a con conflict with you on this, but I'm going to tell you what I believe, <laughs> whether you believe it or not. I believe the Holy Ghost is absolutely essential to the new birth. Hallelujah. It's not something you get because you want power, but it's being born again. How can you be born of the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit? Important. And not only that, I believe that holiness, the things that uh, in, involves holiness and modest apparel and all of these things, I believe it is essential that we hold the line on these things. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The Scripture says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love Him today? Do you really love Him today? I'd like for you to turn with me to Second Thessalonians. And I'm aware that you're familiar with all of these Scriptures, but to just to refresh your memory. The love of the truth is our salvation. These are confusing times, and these are challenging times, and so many things are happening that causes us to wonder and to doubt. And I'm not willing to die for some tradition just because it's a tradition. I'm not willing to die for something like that. But I'm willing to die for anything that's in this book. If it's in the Word, if it is in the Word, I, I want to preach that. I want to teach that. I want to understand that. And sometimes we wonder, uh, just uh, do we really fully understand the things of God? And I believe there is a way that we can be safe. It's found in the second chapter of Thessalonians, where in the first part of chapter 2 it's speaking of the coming of the false Christ uh, that will 
come in verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Everyone say lying wonders. Everything that is uh, miraculous is not necessarily God. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth. This is where our safety is. If we love the truth, if in our hearts, it's not something we can just say with our tongue and in our head, but it's got to be a conviction in the very depth of our emotions and heart. I want the truth more than anything else in the world. I've got to have the truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions. Why? Because he hated them? No, because they did not love the truth. Strong delusions will come that they should believe a lie, that they should all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Really, really, if you want to arrest, arrest the Scripture, uh, you can almost come up with any kind of a doctrine under the sun. We can almost justify anything that we want to do. But we won't do that if we love the truth. But we are bound to give thanks also to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. We talk a lot of times about the going back to the old traditions. Now, I believe in that. But when Billy Cole says old traditions, I don't mean traditions in the first of the 1900s. I mean traditions that are 2,000 years old. Some of the old traditions at the first of our century may have been off base. Not impossible. They were human just the same as we are human. And we need to consider everything in the light of the Word of God. But if it's in this book, if the apostles taught it, if the church practiced it, by God's help, I'm going to do my best to do it or I'm going to quit. I've made up my mind to that. I have made up my mind that I'm going to hold steady whether I pastor a hundred people or 10,000 people. It doesn't make any difference. And I'm not making reflection on large churches because there are men that are pastoring large churches that are just as sincere as I ever dared to be. Amen. And I appreciate every one of them. Hallelujah. You've got some large churches among you but I have made up my mind that I am not going to compromise the message that I see 
in the Word of God. And uh, it's a lot easier to say that today than it is to do it. It's a lot easier to say it. Scripture said Jesus one time spoke of the Sadducees and said they do err, not knowing the Scriptures, not understanding the Scriptures. Hallelujah. The Scripture says we must believe on Him as the Scripture has said. We have with us as pastors, as preachers, we have three great problems. One of them is that we live in a churchy world that is calling doctrine bondage. And that is intimidating. That intimidates us. Even if we've got enough courage to buck up against it, there is that feeling of intimidation within us when they say these things to us. And they're starting to say it among Jesus' name people. Jesus' name people are starting to say that doctrine is bondage. Hallelujah. In the world that we live, it is an extreme sinful world. I don't suppose there's ever been any kind of hideous, vile sin ever committed that is not being commonly committed in the world that you and I live today. I, I've had people to come into the church and get baptized in Jesus' name and fill with the Holy Ghost that didn't know that fornication and adultery was a sin. Sincerely, did not know. They were so ignorant of the things of God uh, that they didn't know that adultery and fornication was sin. Amen. I tell you, uh, 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 there's one thing that bothers me, and that's when I hear somebody start to preach against sin. They spend about 15 minutes on cigarettes and don't hear anything else. Well, I tell you, I've seen a few saints do a few things that I wish they were smoking instead of what they was doing. <laughs> don't misunderstand me. People need to quit smoking. But cigarettes doesn't happen to be the worst sin in the book. The Scripture speaks of all of these things. The apostles, the Lord gave the apostle Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever he bound in heaven was bound upon the earth. And whatever was loosed, it was loosed upon the earth. It must be our guideline. We must never... We must never, ever break away. And there is a thing of coming into the power of God and the anointing of God that we begin to justify our sins because of the fruit of our ministries. There are no exceptions. This book is for you, and this book is for me. I don't care if you pray 50 people a day through the Holy Ghost, you're going to have to let this book be your guideline. This is it. Right here. This is our guidelines. Praise the Lord. The Scripture teaches us that there is no other foundation, that we are upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the third chapter of Corinthians says there is no other foundation other than this that has been laid. 
As a pastor, I've had to deal with vile sins. I try to do it just as quietly as I know how to do it. I don't see any particular gain out of publicly humiliating saints of God when they fall. Now, if someone is on my platform, they are an elder, you have no choice but to sit them down in the, in the audience. And even the, and when folks is in your audience and they're sit down, so to speak, they're not quite so noticeable. And I feel that we need to do this as quietly. Uh, my father gave me a little uh, point of wisdom that I thought was really good. He said the confession should be as public as the sin. If the whole church knows about it, then the confession should be made to the whole church. That's just something for you to think about. Don't have a scripture for it. <laughs> praise, praise God. Hallelujah. I am deeply, deeply concerned to be right. I don't want to be too harsh. I don't want to be too hard. And on the other hand, I do not want to be a compromiser. I do not want to be a compromiser. Amen. We must understand, and we do understand, that precious saints that are really endeavoring to walk with God, they are the work of many, many years. I'll tell you, you got somebody living for God, someone walking with God, someone behaving themselves, someone that loves you as a pastor, someone that uh, loves the church, someone that's faithful to the church. They are a real, genuine treasure. Can you say amen? And we must uh, do everything we can to minister to these people. And we must be kind to all those that are not that do not fit into that category. We must be kind with them too. But somehow we've got to separate the concept of love from the concept of compromise. Love and compromise does not mean the same thing. We have got to hold the line of God's holy word. Can you say amen? Do you love his word? Let's just thank the Lord for his word. I praise you, Lord Jesus. I adore you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be thy matchless holy name. Hallelujah. I am as thoroughly convinced, and I love eloquent preaching just as much as you do. We in the United Pentecostal Church, uh, no one loves preaching more than we folk do. But truth is more important than eloquence. It's more important to teach the truth than it is to be eloquent or, or dynamic. Praise God. And we oftentimes go into the Old Testament for our text, and we get such beautiful, beautiful illustrations. But we are going to have to be careful in how we apply these Old Testament stories. Or we'll be creating our own doctrines that is not in harmony with the New Testament. This kind of preaching is acceptable as long 
It is in harmony with the New Testament. Because we can almost take any kind of a story and make whatever we want out of it. Really. Praise the Lord. But it has got to be proven by the New Testament. The New Testament is the final word. Now, I believe the Old Testament. But it's full of blood and guts. It's full of wonderful people that had two or three and four and five and six wives. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to explain. Isn't it? <laughs> God. We've got to let the New Testament be that final word. I believe with all of my heart that the United Pentecostal Church has come to a real crossroads uh, concerning holiness and modest apparel and, and these areas. And I believe we're going to go the right way. I really believe that we are. We have been challenged. We have spent sleepless nights. We have been troubled. We have been distressed. I've preached all kinds of sermons about it to help myself. <laughs> I usually help myself. When I, most of my sermons are to help me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've discovered that one time. I, I discovered that all my sermons was, was helping me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And I've tried to figure all this charismatic business out. And and so forth and so on. I made up my mind I'm going to love them. I don't care how they live or how they do. I am not going to mistreat them. But I'm not going to bring myself down to their standards either. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to hold the line some way. Praise God. Let me tell you, if baptism in Jesus' name is not essential, we are the biggest bunch of fools that ever lived. We do not have a right to exist as an organization if baptism in Jesus' name is not essential. If the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not essential, we do not have a right to exist. And I'm going to go a little bit farther. This thing that we teach about modest apparel, and holiness. If these things are not vital to salvation, we are doing nothing but breaking up the fellowship of the body of Christ. It's all we're accomplishing. But I believe it's important, don't you? <laughs> I really do. Hallelujah. We have got to be strong. We've got to, as I mentioned a while ago about uh, fine saints of God. We've got to love these people with all of our hearts, but we must not allow them to rule the ministry. Now, you have all the boards you want to have when it comes to business and buildings and mortgages and so forth and so on, but if you've got some board dictating to you what you're going to preach and what you're going to teach and who you're going to have in your pulpit, my friend, you've got troubles, and plenty of them. I believe that the man of God ought to be able to, to hear from the Lord and know what his people needs. 
in the way of being fed in the things of God. I've told our congregation, and our congregation is the type of people that like to stand on their feet a lot. I don't even know why we keep our pews. <laughs> we, need, we need the money. We ought to sell them, Brother Wynn. <laughs> but uh, whether you're singing or preaching, they'll be on their feet most of the time. And even with me there with, uh, with uh, beans and potatoes and, and meat, they'll stand for me too. <laughs> Praise God. They'll stand while I preach. And I remember one night I got all carried away and I said, this beautiful building, and we do have a beautiful building, this beautiful building belongs to this beautiful congregation. And this beautiful congregation belongs to our beautiful Lord. But this pulpit belongs to me. Praise <laughs> God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we've got to keep it that way, brother. Move along. I will not spend my time with people that will not let me be a man of God among them. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Holiness. Holiness of spirit. And we've got to preach all of those things in Galatians where it speaks of the works of the flesh. Not just cigarettes. God bless your heart. There's something called adultery and fornication and uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. We'll let people get in our pulpit full of hatred. Variance, emulation. They better not smoke a cigarette, though. They're gone. <laughs> but they can hate people till they... Hello. <laughs> Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. All of these things is matters of holiness. And I feel that you probably feel exactly as I do and this thing of, of the hair situation. God bless your hearts. I don't know what you're going to do. Probably you're going to do the same thing I'm going to do. I'm going to be kind to women that cut their hair. But I'm going to let them know that it's wrong, and I'm not going to make them Sunday school teachers. They're not going to sing in my choir. They're not going to be in my orchestra. They're not going to teach in the Christian school. I believe, I believe, I, I wish it wasn't in there, but it is. That's one thing I wish that wasn't in the book. Praise <laughs> the Lord. God bless your hearts. The Scripture says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances. Everybody say ordinances. I don't, don't say we don't have to follow the manual. That manual is a result of the decisions of the majority of our brethren, and in many cases, 90 or 95 percent of them. And it's, uh, it's something that's important to us. They are the ordinances that we have. 
Every man praying, prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, dishonoreth her husband, dishonoreth her, her father, dishonoreth her pastor. I told our ladies one time, and I don't preach on this every week. I don't preach on it every month. I go for months without saying anything about it. You can't just harp on something all the time. But you have to be sure. I said one night, I said, I have been so kind to some of you ladies that cut your hair that you're probably thinking that I've changed my mind. I want you to understand that it insults me. It insults me to the marrow of my bone. I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to be kind to you. I'm not going to mistreat you. I'm not going to humiliate you. <laughs> but I want you to understand it's wrong. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. The shame, if it is a shame, everyone say shame. Dictionary says that's an abomination. For a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And verse 15, But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Some sister said to me once, that means a hat. And I said, why don't you wear a hat then? I've never seen you with a hat on. And then a lot of people want to interpret this scripture if there's any contentious, you know, just throw all this away. So one morning when I was teaching, I said, all of you that are contentious, would you please stand? <laughs> We'd like to see who the contentious people are. <laughs> That's not what it means either. What Apostle Paul was saying is if, if you don't agree with this, well, just go jump in the river. This is it, right here. <laughs> Go pound the sandbag. Amen? Brother Cole, why, why are you teaching such a thing in a session like this? It may not be needed, but I have 13 UPC churches around me, and only two of them teach what I'm teaching you right now. I could take you to one that doesn't have one single woman in the church with long hair. UPC. What do you do with those folks? I'm kind to them. When I see them on the street, I went to a car wash the other day. Thought they were Baptists. But they were Jesus-named people. Did you say anything to them? No, I just spoke to them. How you doing? God bless you. Praise the Lord. Why? Because I'm not their pastor. I'm not going to try to pastor that man's church. And I sure ain't going to let him pastor mine. <laughs> I had one sister, you know, she got fed up with me. And she didn't want to talk to me face to face, so she wrote me a letter. <laughs> She told me, said, I'd never heard such preaching in all my life. And 
the guests you bring in, they are the finest. And, and But she said, I just cannot live what you preach. And I've been past, talking to Pastor so-and-so and named him. He'd have a heart attack if he knew I had that letter. <laughs> I've been talking to Pastor so-and-so, and he agrees that you're as narrow, that the only way you can get in your church is sideways. <laughs> Come on up. You can be in the choir. <laughs> Praise God. God bless your hearts. God's going to help us. Praise the Lord. How about these painted faces? There's only three places in the Bible that women are mentioned that paint their face. The first one is Jezebel. And you know who she was and what she was. The second one is in Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah is, is comparing backslidden Israel to a woman that painteth her face. And then there's one more reference. Ezekiel is uh, describing women that uh, deck themselves with, uh, with jewelry and so forth and paint their face. And he calls them that lewd woman. I don't believe every woman that paints their face is lewd. They're not taught. They're not instructed. No one has taught them. No one has, no one has instructed them. And they're not doing it for that. They're doing it just because they think that's the way to look, look beautiful. God is going to hold us responsible if we don't tell them. Can you say amen? My time is gone. My time is gone. But let me just say that, uh, that silence, all we have to do is, you don't have to say it's all right. Just go silent. Just go silent and they'll do it just as automatic as, as breathing. Isn't that true? What about these shorts and bathing suits and all that stuff, mixed bathing? Brother Witt is my witness, a former, former pastor. used to take his young married people to the public swimming pool and go with them. Don't think I didn't have my job cut out for me when I came there was what was left of it. You go to preaching that kind of stuff and living that kind of stuff, your church is not going to grow. Your church will disintegrate. It will go to pieces. When people start believing all of these things is okay, they sure aren't going to listen to the other stuff we preach. Amen. They'll leave us. They'll go away. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, Adam and Eve, they made themselves a pair of shorts. The Bible calls it an apron. They made themselves aprons. And when the Lord came along, He made both of them coats. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> So that's what I'm going to preach. God's able to help us. My father, I was working with him. He was building a new building, and, and he 
asked me to come home and help him till that building was finished. I was traveling overseas, and, and I agreed to do it. And he was getting quite elderly, and responsibility of that building and everything. He was weary, and uh, the and it wasn't just one or two of them; it was many of them. And uh, there's three ladies, and they were whirly. They were whirly in their attitudes. And uh, one day, one of them cocked her leg up on a chair and got a guitar and strung herself out and said she is Dolly Parton. <laughs> and the word came to us, and my father said, Billy, would you take care of that? <laughs> I said, well, I'll try. <laughs> so I through the Sunday school <laughs> superintendent, I sent word that I wanted to talk to those three ladies as soon as all the students were gone. I didn't want to humiliate them. And uh, when I went down there, believe me, they were ready for me. They knew what was on my mind. And they had built themselves up spiritual sandbags. And they had machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> And when I walked in with the superintendent, all three of those women took their turns and lit in on me. I mean, I did not say one word for twenty minutes. They read me the riot. <laughs> they read me the riot act. And then the superintendent of the class, after all of this, she put her hands on her hips and she said, "Now I guess you have all the answers." I said, no, I don't have the answers, but I'm very sure I have found the problem. <laughs> Amen. God bless your hearts, folks. Brother, let's hold steady to the truth. We've got to. We're just going to waste our time. So what if we have a, a 500 people and they're not living for God? What have you accomplished? All you've done is made a living. And there's easier ways in making a living than pastoring and preaching. God bless your hearts. Let's hold the line. Let's hold the line. I said, let's hold the line in Jesus' name. God will help us. God will help us.